Well, good morning. If you guys would allow me, I want to recognize a very special guest in the audience today. He is sitting in the balcony. His name is Elijah Jen, my grandson, and it's his first worship service. Look at Elijah up here. I am so thrilled that he is here, as long with his parents. It's great to have everybody. And I just want to welcome you to this Father's Day. And before we do anything else, I want to pray. And I just want to mention to you guys, we have a couple of staff members that have some uh, very personal but very important things going on in their life. And I just love them so much. We just need to pray. They have uh, difficult things they're facing, not terrible. I mean, not like they've done something wrong, just personal family things. So let's just stop and pray for the service and pray for them. Father, we lift up my friends to you who are facing very difficult circumstances. God, I pray your blessings upon their life. I pray that you give them encouragement, that you give them wisdom, that you help them walk with you and speak words that impact all the people around them. Thank you for Father's Day, fathers who love you, fathers who love their children. God, we pray that you bless our service today. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, just to start off this morning, I want to give you 12 things that you'll never hear a father say. One, who keeps turning off all the lights in the house? Never going to hear that. Do these shoes go with this outfit? Let's see what's on the Lifetime channel. Would you take control of the remote? Curfew? What curfew? If your friends are doing it, you can too. Dads, we're just not going to do that, are we? When is it my turn to wash the dishes? It feels like forever. (laughs) Don't you think that skirt's a little long? You don't need to get a part-time job. I have plenty of money (laughs) for you to spend. Mom and I are going away for the weekend. Why don't you throw a party? Why did you stop whining? I'm lost. Pull over for directions. (laughs) You know, those are just some things that we know dads would never say. But I want to talk to dads just for a second, and then I have a message that I think applies to dads and everybody here. And I know you've been wondering why I'm carrying this hula hoop around. And let me just say... I am not going to give you a mental picture today that you'll never be able to get over. (laughs) I know you're excited about that. But I do want to say this. Dads, let's just consider, and this is way too small, but this room is the universe. It is the universe. And, And in reality, this room would be a speck in the universe. But let's say this hula hoop represents your area of influence. And so dads, you step step into your area of influence. 
Your wife belongs here. Your children belong here. Your parents belong here. Your daughter-in-law or son-in-law belongs here. And you have a tremendous responsibility. My church, I, I told you I was so proud of you for signing up for the gospel in every home. I, I'm so proud of you for so many things. Last week was one of the things that made my heart leap for joy. No, no offense to dads, but women usually step forward. But last week when we came to the altar to pray, I looked across this altar and there was men everywhere. That, that, is, that is outstanding. You're to be applauded. And you have this area of influence. I encourage you just to be very serious about it. There's so much you can do. You are so important. You probably aren't encouraged enough. You're probably not uplifted enough. But let me not speak as Ed Gent right here. Let me speak from God. The responsibility that you have and the privilege you have of leading your family to shepherd your family is one that is immense. And God supports you and wants to do everything that he can in your life to help you do that. So look at your area of influence. I'm sure there's things that go in here that I did not mention, but you have an area of influence. So sometimes we just have to narrow things down so that we can look at what's really important. And you have a tremendous opportunity to do that. Dads, I want to tell you one story. There's a story about a young boy. His dad had been working hard and he came home. He came home and he was tired, worn out from the day at work, been involved in everything. And a little boy comes running up to him you know, and you dads know what I'm talking about. When you get home, they love you for 10 minutes and then they want to go play. But he's come running up and he says, Dad, I want to talk to you a minute. He goes, okay, son, what do you got? I'm, I'm kind of tired. He said, I want to talk to you just for a second, Dad. He said, I want to know one thing. Dad, how much do you make an hour? Dad said, well, that's kind of a personal thing. I, I don't really want to disclose that and you know, I, I, that just, that's just something that I don't really talk about a lot. He goes, oh, Dad, I just need to know. I just need to know how much you make an hour. So he could tell the little boy was really curious. And so he said, if you have to know, I make $20 an hour. The little boy said, okay, okay, Dad. Can I borrow $10? And so Dad was like, oh, that's the reason you wanted to know. Okay. Uh, let's just let's just go on to bed, you know. You've got your information. Let's go on to bed, and and we'll talk about this later. I'm sure there's some toy you want, and you know we'll try to work that out. But let's go on to bed. So Dad got to thinking about it later, and he thought, you know, I may have been a little harsh. So he goes in the little boy's room. The little boy's there in the bed. He said, "Hey, Mark, are you asleep yet?" Mark pops up and says, no, Dad, I'm not asleep. He said, well, I, I, you asked me about the $10. I want you to know that you can have it. So he said, yay, thanks, Dad. So he reaches under his pillow, and he pulls out 10 $1 bills. And he, Dad goes, why are you asking me for $10? 
if you have $10 under your pillow, and a little boy said, I want to buy one hour of your time. Dads, you are important. What you do in the time you spend with your children is critical. And I just want to applaud you for what you do, the time you spend with your children, and looking to the Lord, shepherding your family. And this morning, we're in John 10, where Jesus says some really cool things. And so I want to go through a few of those. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And that's the title of the sermon this morning. Actually, in John 10, he says it in two places. John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. In 14, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. The passage we have this morning follows chapter 9, obviously, chapter 10 follows chapter 9, but it's the story of the blind man that receives sight. And so the blind man had been blind from birth. Jesus, we all know the story, you know, gave him sight, and the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders were upset about it. And so they came to the young man, and they went to his parents first, and then they said, has he, been really, has he really been blind from birth? And they didn't want to answer because they'd been told they'd be put out of the synagogue if they did. And so they, he, they, his parents said, go, go to him and ask him. And he answers this way, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And so that leads us up into 10, where he says, I am the good shepherd. So if you don't mind, stand with me as I read this morning. John 10, 25 through 31. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify me. But you do not believe because you are my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray this morning as we look at it that you would give us insight into our own hearts, that we'd be able to look at this text and hear what you're saying to us individually. Thank you for giving us your word. In your name we pray, amen. As I looked at this text and began to study, there were several things I looked at, and the thing I thought I really was going to come up here this morning and talk about was how important it is to follow the Father. You know, he says here, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Then he says, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We love the last part of that verse. We love the fact that 
will never perish and no one will snatch from my hand. Sometimes we look at following him and we think, ooh, that's a little difficult. When I looked at the passage and I began to see the passage as a whole, because I always try to study in context. So I started looking at John 10 as a whole. And so what I want to do this morning, we have Jeremy coming, Pastor Jeremy's coming. Man, you all heard him. He is a great pastor. Me? I'm the education guy. I am the pastor of education. So here's, here's, here's what's going on. I'm going to do it a little bit different this morning. I'm going to take my liberties as a pastor of education, and I'm going to do it this way. This is a parable. So I want to talk about the three things in this passage that I want to read the passage in its entirety. 10, 1 through 31. And if, you don't, if you've never heard me, I'm usually fairly brief, so stick with me. And when you hear what is going on, you may already know, but if, when you hear what's going on in this passage, I think you'll go, ooh. When Jesus says, follow me, he's not being harsh. He's being loving. He really wants you to know him. So let's look at a few things in this passage. There's, there's just a few things in this passage. One of them are the sheep. And we talk about sheep. We are the sheep. You know, one of the things about the sheep, uh, sheep aren't real smart. I'm not saying you all aren't intelligent. I'm just saying sheep do some stupid things sometimes. Like sometimes a sheep will just start going and they'll just wander off. You ever seen people or have you ever just wandered off? I, mean, I, I have. And so sometimes we wander off. And, and sometimes you hear uh, people in the church be called the flock because we are the sheep. When you look at Luke 15, 3 through 5, you know, the parable of the 99 and the 1, that's the reason Jesus has to leave the flock and go after the one. And with the flock, church family, this is important. The 99 have to be together. And we have to be operating as a flock and moving as a flock. Or we're causing so much chaos, the shepherd can't go after the one. And the other thing I like about in John or in Luke 15:5 is he brings him back on his shoulder. And most commentaries say, it's really showing the effort it takes to go after the one. So sheep are very important in the Bible. Very, very important in the Bible. This is something I learned recently about sheep. Have you ever read where sheep are cast down? In um, the Bible, it talks about sheep being cast down. 2 Corinthians 4, 9 says, Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So sheep are sometimes cast down. Some of your Bibles will say struck down. They're struck down. So what does it mean for a sheep to be cast down? I'm going to show you. When a sheep is cast down, you know, and this is, this is interesting because when I study in this passage, from my house, I have a flock of sheep. And, you know, they, they were over there, bah, all the time but when a sheep is cast down this is what it is a sheep is down on its back all four legs in the air 
and it's going bah, bah, bah. It can't get up. I don't know if it's all the wool on its back. I don't know what it is. But when a sheep is cast down, it is down. And it can't go this way. It can't go this way. It is stuck. And unless the shepherd comes and helps this sheep that's bah, bah, bah. I, I guess it's going to help me, help me, help me. But unless the shepherd comes to help the sheep that is cast down, it will stay there. It has to have the shepherd come help it. I want to ask a question this morning because I talk to people all the time. There's a lot of people that believe Christians are never cast down. Let me, I'll be the first. I've been cast down. If you've ever been cast down, and when I say that, what I mean by that is you've been in a place where you, you were like me. Your, your feet are in the air. You're back. There's nothing you can do. But you've been in a place where you had to have God's help. You would just raise your hand. Man, hands all over the room. We all get there. So we are all like sheep. We need a shepherd. All of us must have a shepherd. That brings us to the next part of the parable, the shepherd. There's different types of shepherds. Like there are different types of coaches. You know, you have football coaches. You have baseball coaches. You have tennis coaches. You have all kinds of coaches. You have business coaches. If you're talking to my wife, you have coach purses. <laughs> but there's all kinds of coaches. There's all kinds of shepherds. Don't let this confuse you. When we talk in the Bible, there's, there's lots of shepherds. And the Bible makes it clear who the main shepherd is. Shepherds lead churches. Shepherds lead families. Kings were sometimes referred to as shepherds. But God said... I am the good shepherd. John Phillips in his commentary makes this statement. The actual form of this expression is a resting. I am the good shepherd. The good. That's the way the actual Greek reads. I am the good shepherd. The good. All that we have that is good comes from Christ. He is the good the thought carries us back to the life types of Christ as shepherd in the Old Testament. There was Abel, the righteous shepherd. Jacob, the resourceful shepherd. Moses, the returning shepherd. And David, the royal shepherd. All these were partial types of Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. You put all these characteristics together and you have the good shepherd, Jesus. John 10, 13 through 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So we have several things. One thing you have with sheep is the fold. And when you're in the fold, that basically means you're in the pen, you know, like, like we would say in a cage. But the, the fold was a stone wall that went around the, ste the sheep, and it had one door. So when the shepherd was coming to get his sheep, 
he would come to the door of that fold, which is this stone wall. It could have been briars, but it was a stone wall that went around the sheep. And so he would come to the door of this fold. And oftentimes there were several flocks of sheep inside the one fold, the sheep fold, or the fold for the sheep. There would be one door. That's the reason the Bible says anybody that comes in any other way is a thief and a robber because the shepherd went to the door. At the door of the fold, there was usually a porter. The porter at this door would know the shepherd, so he would allow the shepherd to do his work. The way the shepherd did his work is he would say, sheep, I don't know what he said actually, but he would say things to the sheep. The important thing is they knew his voice. And so the, even though there were several flocks of sheep in this fold, the sheep would start coming out. Because sheep, when it's not their shepherd, they're scared of him. So these sheep that were in the fold together would listen to the shepherd's voice and start coming out single file because they knew the shepherd's voice. And they would come out, and the shepherd did not follow the sheep, but the shepherd would then start walking across the pasture, and all the sheep would follow as the shepherd walked across the pasture. So you've probably heard me tell this before, but in the 23rd Psalm where it says, he lead us through green pastures. I think about my dad's house and the lush meadow behind it and the big green pasture. And I've kind of envisioned that with Psalm 23 my whole life. But when I went to Israel, I saw what it meant to say he took them to green pastures. There's a sprig of grass here. And there's a sprig of grass here. And there's a sprig of grass here. And that shepherd leads that sheep from one bite of grass to the next. And those sheep are completely dependent upon the shepherd. So he protects them. He talks to them. They know him. So as he comes to the sheepfold, they pull him, he pulls his sheep out. And his sheep know to follow his voice. When the next shepherd comes and says, hear sheep, sheep, or whatever he says, they follow his voice. And every sheep knows who their shepherd is. And that's the reason why anybody that goes in a different way than that door is a thief and a robber. So the shepherd and the sheep are incredibly, incredibly important in what's going on. So I want to read our passage this morning, and I want you to take the things I've just talked about to you about and apply them to this passage. And I want you to think about this passage as I read it. And I'll just provide a little commentary as we go. Uh, and one thing I'll say before I read is there's one part here where it talks about he goes after sheep of a different fold. When, he, when I read that part, just know that when he talks about going for sheep that are a different flock, he's talking about the Israelites were in a fold. 
And he says, I'm going after sheep, and I will increase my flock. That's us, guys. That's the Gentiles. We should be extremely excited about that part because we're included. So let me read this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some of the way is a thief and a robber. We just talked about that. There was a door. You had to go through the door to get your sheep. Any other way, you're a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He knows who his sheep are. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, which is an attention getter, like, listen, listen, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. Jesus is the door that we have to go in. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And if you want to be in this fold, you go through his door. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone hears, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus laid down his life so that the people in this room, your sins could be forgiven. And Jesus could lead you as your shepherd. And you'd be forgiven of your sins and you could live life abundantly. That's what Jesus did for you. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. So Jesus used a compare and contrast here. The hired hand versus him, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. 
This commandment I received from my father. A division occurred among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? That's chapter 9. They're still upset about this. At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I don't know about you guys, but in my estimation, he just did but they're not listening. They don't want to know. They don't want to hear that he's the good shepherd. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, guys, let me say this. Jesus cannot give you eternal life and take it away. But your confidence comes from following Jesus. The Bible says, these things I have written to you, these things have I written to you that you may know you have eternal life. If you're not in the Word, there's really no way to know. You may or may not have eternal life, but you have no confidence. And I'm going to tell you, that is no way to live with no confidence of eternal life. Follow him who loves you. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And the Jews picked up stones to stone him again. He said, you say you're the good shepherd? I don't believe it. We're going to stone you again. Guys, I want to say to you, he is the good shepherd. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to come through the door to the fold that is his door. He wants to know you intimately, and he wants you to know him intimately. And guys, you may be hostile to Jesus, but I ask you this morning, will you take your stone and drop it? Drop your stone and say, Jesus, I hear what you're saying in this parable. I understand what you're saying in this parable. God, I realize that you love me, and I realize that I'm a sinner. How many people in this room have sinned? I don't see any hands that, you know, we are all sinners. It says it in the Bible, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need the good shepherd. We all need to hear his voice. We all need to follow him. We all need him to know us and for us to know him. But to do that, 
Sometimes you have to drop your stone and not be like the Jews and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart. We've all sinned, and there's no way into this fold except through that one door. The shepherd is there. He can take you, love you, teach you more than you can possibly imagine. But you have to take your life and lay it down, confess that you're a sinner, and ask him into your life. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do just that. And then I want you to also go home, read this passage, reflect on it, and say, Jesus, where do you want me to follow you? Because I want to go. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for John 10. We thank you for the abundant love that you give to us. We thank you that you are the great I am and that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that we have you to come to and that God, when you come to the door of the fold, we don't have to wonder if it's you or not. You give us so many things for us to know what your voice sounds like. And God, for the people in this room who may not know you, I lift them up to you right now that they would go, that's the shepherd I want to follow. He loves me and he wants to take me through my life and give me that abundant life that he described in John 10. Church family, we're getting ready to